0: A roll, a throw,
1: and an A! Touchdown! Kendall Blanton.
0: Third and 20. Safford
1: going for it all. He's got a wide open man. It's Cooper Cup who gets free And Cup rolls all the way to the end zone. Again, fires downfield. Going to be
2: picked off at the 31-yard line. Nick Scott. Look out from behind. Ball is out. Strip sack there by Vaughn Miller. Deep field! He's got cup again! He's at the 10. Sappishes, let's get down there. We got we clock it. We
0: got
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of East Coast Rams. I am your host, Ashton Spencer, here with my awesome co-host, Zach Mayer. And we have a special guest, Jake Ellibogan of uh downtown rams and jake Elabogan the youtube channel um i'm a big big fan jake you've been doing a lot of great stuff on youtube a lot of great ram stuff in general so anyone listening if you want some great rams content definitely go follow him on twitter we'll uh kind of link all that stuff and uh post it below in our description and everything how are you doing jake
2: i'm great ashton uh you know thank you guys so much for having me um i know it's this is the second time i think i've been on a show of yours uh we did a show together we actually did two i think uh if you include the round table for mcu um and i think this is the first time if i recall correctly that i'm on with zach so um you know nice to meet you zach and i'm excited to be here
0: yeah it's great great having you on the pod um you know, yeah, I've been following your work. You were kind of one of the the main, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, Rams commentaries that I've started following on Twitter and it really got me into the Ram uh, fan base um, as far as, you know, Twitter and YouTube and things like that going. So it's great to have you on and great to have you in this dialogue.
2: Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I mean, it's been an adjustment for me because I remember when I first started and I really... Like in 2016, it was really just the downtown Rams, um, you know, Twitter that I used. And, you know, people were always asking me like, hey, you know, I'm used to just you running the downtown Rams Twitter, you know, wh- why don't you just kind of put yourself out there? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point, because I realized I was building a brand like people are just going to refer to me as downtown Rams. It got to the point it finally clicked for me when I went on a show and someone just called me uh, Rams Jake or, or downtown Rams or something like that. And I was just like, you know what? I need to build my own brand on top of that brand. So I started putting myself out there probably around, you know, 2017, 2018 and, uh, really never stopped. So I'm glad you guys have, have noticed me. Obviously you have, we've talked about it and everything, but, uh, that's why it took so long for me to get out there. Cause I was using the downtown Rams Twitter.
0: And now Uh you're broadening yourself out to, you know, covering the MCU content and all sorts of other, other fields.
1: Uh Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's go ahead and start covering, uh, game highlights. We'll then go into the offense and defense and we will kind of preview next week. NFC, uh, title. Uh, wow. It's, it's been a crazy year, but even more than that, this was a crazy game. Um, Going into the first quarter, basically the Rams kind of threeing out the Buccaneers. We end up getting a field goal, and then our first touchdown comes off of Kendall like Great plays by him, uh, just doing tremendous stuff there. Uh, We get a touchdown from Cooper Cup, a complete bomb by Stafford. Uh, End up getting a field goal right before... uh two minute warning um we even get that interception from nick scott after that uh get stopped at the goal line by a cam fumble third quarter we get a touchdown after a few three and outs by the bucks and then the bucks start just coming back they start with a field goal then they get a touchdown by leonard fournette (laughs) Uh, They get a other big bomb over Jalen Ramsey by Mike Evans. And then you had that Leonard Fournette nine yard run kind of on fourth and one. And then we end up getting that bomb by Stafford again to guess who cup uh, to get the field goal and go up. Uh, The final game stats end up being time of possession. Uh, Rams 34 minutes to the Bucks 25 minutes. A really big, big. Uh, disparity there turnovers rams 4 bucks 2 a total yards rams 428 uh the bucks 359 and first downs rams 24 bucks 20 um what are your guys' general impressions this was a hell of a uh roller coaster ride at least for me uh you you wouldn't want to see the heart rate monitor for me uh, (laughs) while watching this thing
2: yeah, so for me, this game just meant so much because, I mean, the Brady fans, just I can only take so much of them. And <laughs> and just to be able to win the way they did on top of it, you guys know you've been following me. Anybody that's listening has been following me, um, you know, with the whole Stafford defense. And, you know, I just felt like he was unfairly treated. This whole time, I felt like he really hasn't been treated fairly Uh, If he was in a bigger market, he probably wouldn't have been talked about the way he has and things like that. So, you know, I just loved it. The ending could not have been more perfect. And if I knew ahead of time that's how it was going to be, if I could have had a blowout or if I could have had that knowing that they were going to win, I would have taken the collapse. I would have taken the win on the same play because that was the most exciting play I've seen the Rams have. Since the great show on turf days, that was more exciting than even going to the Super Bowl. The kick was great. Don't get me wrong; the interception, you know, John Johnson, that was great. But there was something extra knocking Brady out of the playoffs, and especially something extra with Matthew Stafford, who I believe has been, you know, unfairly treated the whole year, throwing a bomb to who I believe should win MVP in Cooper Cup. It just kind of proved both of my points at once, and also knocked out Brady. So I just loved it.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a win-win situation. You know, I always thought, you know, when I pre- did my predictions last week, I thought this game was going to be 31-27 uh, Rams win. You know, I was one point off. Um, you know, I really thought this was going to be a close game. I wasn't expecting, you know, the Rams to kind of be, you know, blowing it out of the water, you know, in the first half. Um, but I knew Brady was always going to fight back, you know, going into that second half. Um, but, man, I, I think this that's what the team needed. They didn't need a blowout win. Um, against Tom Brady, because I feel like that could have left maybe um, a slight bit of cockiness going into um, the 49ers game. Um, and just having that, you know, last 42 seconds run, you know, with Stafford and Cup, you know, it's just it just made that marriage and the, you know, the Stafford Rams marriage, you know, complete. And, and finally, you know, this is the team we knew we had from the beginning.
1: Yeah, it's a little amazing how much like some casual NFL viewers will not realize the small little great things that Stafford has done, especially in the last two weeks, to really keep us afloat and keep us winning these last two matches. Like he has done a few great no look passes. I believe the Kendall Bland touchdown was a no-look pass. Yeah. He just has great eyes to be able to look off defenders. Uh, he has started taking more sacks instead of throwing really boneheaded plays. He has grown throughout the season. And I feel like a part of that was him needing to earn like his own trust of the team. He has always been on a team where the only way they were going to really realistically win big matches was if he fought back. And he did that a few times. Other times he didn't, and he couldn't really trust the team to carry him. And I feel like he's finally starting to trust his team. And when the team needs him to step up, he stepped up. He made the throws in the last two weeks. You cannot ask for a better clutch quarterback because if I'm sorry if Jared Goff was back there. We don't win against the Bucks. We don't. No. Even though it's not the QB's fault. But there's no way he's making that bomb the Cooper Cup. I think he made one or two of those throws at all in 2018. Uh something of that nature in that tr- type of big environment. It was just amazing to watch. Uh I just I can't believe that roller coaster ride uh did you guys think he fumbled the ball when he got sacked?
2: No, no, I, I think that was an overblown thing. Um, you know, really, he gave himself up. Uh, it looked like it was this weird thing where he was going to do a quarterback keeper and when he realized he wasn't going to get a ton of yards. He kind of went down on his own um, and he didn't fumble because, you know, he was already down and the ball came out after it hit the ground. So I don't know why everyone's like overblowing that, but no, I, I wasn't worried about that. Um, felt like that was just stretched to be something that was more, ooh, well, you know, it almost happened, and Brady almost won. You know, like, that. that's kind of how I saw it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just funny how going into this game, it, you heard all about Tom Brady, and let's be honest, Tom Brady played a very bad game, uh, at least until the fourth quarter, which he was... Good, but then again how many times did he get the ball in the half field, like halfway through the field he didn't have to make full complete drives against our defense and that's where I disagree with anyone who tries to say like oh your defense wasn't good you gave up 27 I'm like yeah they only gave up 27 when they had four fumbles like it's actually quite amazing cri- like very remarkable how well morris's defense held up against a buck offense that wasn't only surging but also was getting help from various players on our offense and uh just credit to them i think the only bad play was ramsey getting beat and you know that doesn't happen often if ever
2: yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, really, you know, when it comes down to it with, with Jalen Ramsey is that he actually had to kind of pick up the slack because Darius Williams really struggled in this game. Um, you know, I think you probably saw it on Twitter. I pointed out that, you know, Darius Williams needs to do a better job on that play. The fourth run, the fourth down run by Leonard Fournette, you know, he needs to be able to set that edge and, you know, he is the guy there. And when he, I don't know really what he was doing. Um, He allowed Fournette to, uh, you know, break that edge and, uh, you know, turn the corner and score a touchdown. It really put Nick Scott in a bad position. Um, you know, he was getting, you know, worked by Scotty Miller. And uh, because of that, you know, you had to have Jalen Ramsey kind of come over and, and help him out. Um, so, you know, it, it really changed the way the Rams could defend. And uh, the hope is that, you know, Darius Williams really bounces back. I'm not really worried about Ramsey. Just a bad play where, you know, unfortunate. Great throw by uh, Brady. You got to give him his credit there. Um, you know, he's got Evans in the hip pocket. You know, it's actually a really nice job by Ramsey to be there attached to his hip like glue uh, because that's where you want to be if you're trying, you know, to the trail technique, uh, trying to, you know, bait the, the throw and then be in the position where the recovery speed can take over and your pure athleticism can, you know, come into play and you can make that interception well unfortunately uh he stumbled or whatever it was really a bizarre looking play and so he was unfortunately not able to do that and uh that is why he gave up that big play um so that was that but I was more way more concerned with Darius Williams because he he was just not very good on uh, Sunday when he needed to be Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: yeah as for Ramsey I mean he. You know, I'll take one, maybe two of those a year. You know, if if he blows one or two big plays a year, that's nothing compared to the rest of the league, where um, those just they (laughs) they seem to happen all the time to to various uh, star cornerbacks. So, um, Uh, Stephon
1: Diggs,
0: (laughs) yeah. So, oh Trayvon Diggs, yeah, yeah Yeah,
1: Trayvon Diggs. Sorry,
0: yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you know I I could accept that. um, You know, it happens once in a while. It's not going to happen every time. You know, that's why he's you know the best.
1: Yeah, uh, just from the play of both sides of the ball, uh, what was the biggest issue in the second half, uh, in your opinion, Zach? I, I know it's easy to say the fumbles, but besides, I would say the first K-Maker one was kind of like purely luck, like half a second later, that's not really a fumble. Uh, but besides that one, what was really causing our offense issues in the second half?
0: You know, I'm not really sure. You know, we came back. You know, we were we did have you know we come back from the the second half, and you know we punt the ball. You know, after five plays, but then we go back and you know immediately score a touchdown when we when we do a three and out. You know, I I can't really pinpoint it other than those fumbles. It was, you know, it was the bizarre again. It was bizarre. It's Cooper Cup. You know, losing the ball, which you know he never does. That's weird. Um, and then we had the weird Allen, you know, high snap over Stafford's head. Did any does anyone know what happened with that? Did they ever clarify what the misconce- what the miscues were for that?
1: I just think Allen high snapped it. Well, I think we've seen w- one close play like that before. Yeah, it him.
2: wasn't a bad snap actually. Um, he snapped it where it's supposed to be. Just Stafford was not ready for it, so he did not give a signal. And I think Brian Allen and, you know, an environment that was probably pretty loud, you know, there was some sort of miscommunication where he did snap it, but I mean, it wasn't a great snap, but it wasn't necessarily over his head. As you can see, it kind of goes over his shoulder. Um, And, you know, obviously if he has his hands up, then that's going to go right into his hands. So, I mean, some quarterbacks, they like the ball also snapped to like the, the right side of their shoulder, the left side of their shoulder, or like right in the middle of their chest. Like, So, I mean, that might be his personal preference, and that's not something that we can see quickly on TV until we, you know, put it in slow motion. Um, But, yeah, you know, I I definitely think that, you know, with uh, Stafford, I I just think it was miscommunication. I I don't think it was Brian Allen, um, you know, snapping it over his head or anything like that. I don't think Stafford, I I don't, I didn't see Stafford say anything. So, you know, it could have been just the crowd noise. Hopefully it doesn't happen this weekend.
1: Yeah, I look back to see how many fumbles we had throughout the year, and I believe it it was around four fumbles throughout the entire year, and we had that same amount in this one game, and it's just it's ridiculous. Because my wife asked me, uh she's like, "Why are you getting angry, upset? They're they're twenty seven or like twenty four points up," and I tried to, I'm like, "You don't understand. It's Tom Brady on the other side." Like. He has done this before where he's crushed other teams' hearts. And, like, you're constantly thinking in back of your head, like, we don't want to be the next Atlanta Falcons. And um, credit to this team because a lot of other teams, when they start coming back and you start making those uh, kind of mistakes, you don't get that throw at the end. You don't get that great execution. You don't get the line blocking just for enough time for Cooper Cup to get the first 20-yard catch. Um, A lot of things had to be very resilient for them to end up closing out this game and credit to them for closing out this game and knocking out the reigning Super Bowl champs. All right, guys, let's go ahead and kind of move uh, directly into the offensive and defensive highlights. Uh, Stafford ended this game with 28 of 38 for 366 yards, uh, average of 9.6, two touchdowns. He got sacked twice for 11 yards, Um, 121 rating, QBR is 67. Uh, Do either of you guys want to touch on more like Stafford's performance. Um. Well, yeah, I mean,
2: I think, you know, what was really incredible about Stafford's performance is that he went up against the defense that for the first time all year was fully healthy. So you can use the excuse that, oh, they, well, they don't have, you know, they're not gelled. They haven't been together for a while. I would use the opposite. I think that they would be a lot better than what we've seen. They've really been just kind of, you know, putting the pieces together, just trying to find anything that works. Um, and nothing's really worked all year for them. They've given up a lot of yards, but Stafford not only went up against their, you know, them at full strength on defense, uh, but he had to throw the ball without any semblance of a running game. I mean, you're talking about 20, uh, you know, 24 carries for cam acres uh, to go to 48 yards. That's two yards per carry average they really just did a nice job. They sold out to stop the run. And, you know, with no run game to speak of Matthew Stafford, you know, his job was harder and he still was able to make the throws necessary, he took advantage of the blitz, um, you know, the the zone uh, blitzing and things like that. So, um, you know, I definitely think Stafford deserves a ton of credit. This was a otherworldly performance on the road, hostile environment against one of the greatest to ever do it. And I just can't stress enough how impressive it was and how wrong some people truly were about this quarterback.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, Stafford had a perfect game and, you know, within the last two weeks, um, you know, with, you know, with no interceptions um, coming out pretty clean. um, He's just, he's, he's becoming the quarterback that, you know, he's had some struggles with the interceptions, but He's realizing now that he is he doesn't have to be you know the star of the show he has so many stars on his team that you know he can now take the sacks he can throw the ball um, out of bounds um, he doesn't have to make the big plays he can rely on the defense um, if need be so you know really he he was able to manage this team so well um, that I feel like we kind of lost a little bit back in you know November um so you know I, I think he did a great performance um I think um, McVeigh really schemed a good, good game, um, you know, minus the fumbles, which obviously the coach can't control that. Um, you know, again, I think it's been posted, you know, everywhere that he kind of had this perfect game. And if you take out those fumbles, you know, this game would have been way more lopsided um, than ever. And so I th- I think McVeigh did a really good job scheming this team and hopefully he can do that again. You know, when we talk about it down the, in the, in a few minutes um, against the 49ers. So um, oh. I, think, I think it was a well-rounded, play by stafford and then a well-schemed game by mcveigh
1: yeah to your credit the thing about stafford taking sacks not making like super super crazy big risks is guess what we got a touchdown on third and 20 like you we are capable of having explosive passing plays against most teams on third and long now does that mean you want to always be in that situation no but if we have to be, we can still perform in those type types of uh, really, really long yardage situations. I do hope from McVeigh's point of view, I do feel like he pl- did a relatively great job of balance-wise making plays and a lot of the throwing plays. I kind of wish he got more creative in the run game and not just a lot of up-the-gut runs because it wasn't working. Uh, a lot of the zone runs weren't working at all, and I wish we should. I just wish we would have saw more screens, a little bit more jet sweeps. I think ever since we lost Robert Woods, he's been just not trusting of other players to do it. We had one jet sweep in this game, and it went for I think eighteen yards, if I'm not mistaken. That was Van Jefferson, I think.
2: Yeah man jefferson Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and i just wish we saw more of that when our run game itself isn't providing big yardage that way they have to respect it even more now you can still do the play action if you're sticking to the run and making them respect it in that sense so play action doesn't need successful running it just needs you to like say hey i will be doing it every so often that way they respect it but in general i want to see more creative plays that actually get yardage and allow you uh to set up play action i feel like you could have got more creative against a team you know it's going to be hard to run on you don't necessarily need to do stuff like that against defenses that aren't good against the run like the cardinals you don't need to get super creative with the runs but against a team like the buccaneers like 49ers, i think that would help a lot especially uh put horizontal stress on the defense Uh, that's something the 49ers do a great job of especially if like down the gut running isn't working for them they'll do a bunch of different weird crazy things especially with Debo Samuel and I feel like we have the players to mimic a lot of that stuff uh and I just feel like it, it could help out a lot more
0: Hey, hey, Jake. What what do you what's your insight on you know why you know we've had Sony Michelle um, for this whole season and he's been super strong in December, you know I know Cam Akers is healthy. He's back and you know we want him to have majority of the carries, but 24 carries versus Sony Michelle's one. Do you have any insight on maybe why McVeigh went so heavy handed on Cam Akers for this particular game, especially in the second half? Oh,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, you can see he's just one away, right? You know, he's just one carry away from breaking one. And when you put in Cam Akers, you're banking on that big run because I'll tell you right now, um, Daryl Henderson probably is the more, you know, efficient back if you look at the stats uh, than all three of them. But you know, when you look at what Cam Akers brings to the table, he has the most twenty-plus yard runs of any running back that has been on the Rams in two years. So, you know, that's the thing is that they're hoping that he, with you know, a, you know, he springs one and with eight, you know, with Michelle, we saw the thirty-plus yard run against Arizona that saved his day for the most part. He was very uh, unappealing, and um, you know, I think he's just fallen kind of out of favor in the sense now that you have cam Akers back and potentially uh with daryl henderson right around the corner i mean you know guys right now the way we're you know looking at it i mean it, it's uh it's something where you know you're looking at acres um this is somebody that obviously succeeds in the longer runs michelle doesn't have that burst and keep in mind michelle has the same exact injury uh as you know todd gurley the same knee ailment he's dealing with that arthritic knee. I think a lot of people don't realize that or forget about it, but um, you know, Michelle's a good running back, but he's more of a short area guy. Um, you know, 55% of his runs are three or fewer yards gained. Um, whereas you look at Henderson is 52% four or greater uh, cam acres, 57% three or fewer that um, Cam Akers leads both running backs in 20-plus uh, yard runs. And, you know, I just think he's the more explosive back. He's by far the best uh, receiving back on the roster. Um, you know, Henderson's the best pass protector. And I think the the most powerful back, even the fact that, you know, they have the same size, him and Akers, um, would be Sony Michel. That's just the way he runs um, you know, I think Akers is more of the complete long-term option. Uh, so they are, you know, obviously interested in that. Um, Michelle also is on a contract year, so um, you know, there's a chance he doesn't get brought back. And keep this in mind, they game planned before this season, the the idea of Cam Akers was going to be in tandem with Daryl Henderson. This is somebody that they traded up to get since Akers has come back, Henderson's been hurt. And so that kind of doesn't work well with their plan. Um, So obviously Henderson could be back for this game. I just think really what it comes down to is if Sony Michelle was running the way he did against Minnesota and they took him out for Cam Akers and they played him, you know, had him 24 carries, it would be a different ball game. But I don't think Sony Michelle was going to do much better uh, because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just flat out sold out to stop the run wasn't really much Acres could do. Sometimes teams put 8 9 guys in the box. Acres ran against a box that was uh pretty much filled more than any other running back last year for the Rams. Um so, you know, this is somebody that already knows that, but uh you know, Tampa has this guy in the middle by the name of Vita Vea who is a wall. And mm-hmm. so I think they just did an incredible job of selling out to stop the run. However, it put them in harm's way because when you have eight, nine, even 10 guys in the box, you know, you're going to have a man open. And so, you know, because of that, you know, obviously you're you're banking on Stafford making quick, de- you're banking on Stafford not making quick decisions. And sorry, Stafford makes quick decisions and you're going to, you know, you're going to pay for that. So, you know, it's always the pick your poison approach. We saw it against Arizona, you know, first half, uh, you know, back, you know, in the Arizona game on Monday Night Football, not the playoff game the Rams run the ball like crazy with Sony Michelle. They can't stop them, you know, 12 personnel, 13 personnel groupings. And then, you know, basically Van jo- Vance Joseph comes out in the second half and is like, we're not going to allow Sony Michelle to beat us. So it's like, all right, well, Cooper cup only had 40 yards on one catch, um, you know, really to, you know, go into the second half. And, um, you know, after that, you know, all bets were off, you know, he was able to kind of open up a little bit, uh, you know, get going and, that's the thing is teams are going to have to decide, you know, do we want to get beaten over the head constantly with the run and just not allow Cooper Cup and Odell and all of them to beat us? Or do we want to stop out against the you know, stop and um, sell out against the run and allow them and just kind of play the odds and just hope that Stafford has an off day with his accuracy and that there, you know, there's drops and uh, trust the secondary because that's really the only choices you have against this Rams offense. Mm
1: uh-huh. hmm. Yeah, um, moving on to receiving Jake, uh, it, besides Cooper Cup, which we all can agree, he's just, we will never see a Rams wide receiver season like this probably ever again. It's just so dominant. He passed overall yardage for a player, including the postseason. It just beyond belief, nine receptions, 183 yards, a touchdown. Um, but looking at everyone below him, uh, who do you think really contributed the most to the success in this game? Uh, OBJ had 69 yards, Higby had 51. Uh, is it is it between one of them or is it someone lower on the totem pole? Yeah, so uh,
0: to me... I, I, I like Higby, you know, having that tough tight end, he's, he's always been that clutch character or clutch player um, even before OBJ came out, um, always being able to kind of come up in the middle. Um, even if, you know, he only gets eight yards, usually he can stretch and get those extra um, one or two yards to get that first down. Um, he's just always seems to be that, you know, you know, before it used to be third and coop. Um, I really think that, you know, Higby has kind of taken that role to be kind of that short center, um to be able to you know help uh Stafford out um and get those extra couple yards to get that first down.
2: Yeah, you know I think with the um with the emergence of Tyler Higbee and and I don't know if you guys have have noticed and I'm sure you have. Uh since he came back from COVID, like can we all agree that Tyler Higbee just looks different? Oh, for like, sure. Like he just, yeah, he just seems, I just think that's the, the element that they were really missing. And, um you know, now Higby looks a hundred percent. He looks like he's on another level, you know, on the same page with Stafford. Uh, he caught a touchdown the last time, you know, against the the Niners. And, you know, we saw his career, uh not nice career, but his season high in receptions was against the Ravens. I mean, they like him in close games. And so, I think you can definitely count on Tyler Higby this weekend. I think, you know, this is somebody that they're going to lean on. And and honestly, I'll tell you this right now. If Daryl Henderson's healthy, they're going to use him as well on those wheel routes. And I think that really I've been saying this. You guys, you know, I mean, Ashton, how many times have I said this on a live stream? I want to see, you know, the dual backfield. I want to see split back. I mean, I really, really need to see it. I need to see Henderson. I need to see uh, Akers on the field at the same time like they, you know, have been teasing us for you know however long
1: i would even love some creative plays with both of them like where you have henderson and acres come out in the backfield behind or next to stafford and then you see just acres go to wide receiver and switch with cup and have like a crazy play where like cup just shoots out of the backfield you have acres running a wide receiver route like you can have be so playful with these awesome athletes who are just so capable of a lot and Cooper Cup being able to do anything from any position, it's just amazing. Uh like you said, uh just both having both back will be a very underrated thing going into this game with San Fran.
2: And no, I a hundred percent agree with that. Oh sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, no, go finish your thought.
2: No, I was just gonna say I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, I think it's it's really important to uh to have these guys back and um, you know, I think what, what isn't being talked about enough in regards to San Francisco game is this, you know, let's call it like it is, you know, the Rams, they have a lot going for them right now. Um, and San Francisco constantly what has been talked about is the fact that they're just going to run it down the Rams throat. And they may have done that the first time. The second time the Rams made adjustments and they look considerably worse. And I think this third time they're going to look really bad because I think Sebastian Joseph day is going to be ready. And he is one of the best, if not the best interior defender when it comes to stopping the run. So um, this is a gap eater. This is somebody that can come in and um, you know, I think they're going to be ready, man. I I really do. I think they're going to be ready to stop that running attack, whether, you know, it is Eli Mitchell or Debo Samuel or Jeff Wilson or, or any of them. I mean, I really think, Having Sebastian Joseph Day and not only just him, but Ernest Jones in the middle, um, I think will definitely do wonders.
0: Do you think mm-hmm. they've um, they've realized to stop over rushing the quarterback? It seemed like they were just there was always two or three of them behind the quarterback, and Debo just had the ball, you know, on the way opposite side of them. It kind of seemed like in the last two games they've kind of you know held back a little bit and not like kind of directly flown um, towards that quarterback. At least all of them all, together, all at once.
2: Yeah, well, that I mean, when we talk about, you know, selling out to stop the run, that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're you're basically playing. It's like playing contain instead of, you know, trying to penetrate, you know, and I think I mean, when you look at it, hey, um, you know, what it comes down to very, very simple is that <laughs> when you're able to, to penetrate and you're able to get into the backfield and make plays and, and things along that nature. Um, you know, it's great, but there's always, you know, there's a pro and a con to everything you do. And if you're going to constantly have Aaron Donald, try to, you know, go through the middle and, um, you know, try to make some contact and, you know, push some guys over. Um, what you might find is if a guy slips Aaron Donald, you've now just kind of carved out a path for the ball carrier. And so, you know, I do think the greatest example I can give is, do you remember when, uh, the Rams went up against Ezekiel Elliott and the uh, Dallas Cowboys, 2018 divisional round. Um, How, you know, everyone's talking about how Ezekiel Elliott is going to run all over this defense. And what they did in that game is quite simple. They sold out to stop the run. They did not care who Ezekiel Elliott was. They did not care necessarily about getting a ton of pressure on Prescott. They stayed, they contained their, their, uh, you know, their gap assignments and they just stayed and and sold out to stop the run. They didn't try to over pursue. They didn't, uh, you know, try to, um, you know, penetrate through the offensive line the way that you would. Um, they really sold out to stop Ezekiel Elliott and it ended up working because on the flip side, the Rams ran over 200 yards. I'm not saying they'll do that this time, but, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the approach that they'll have.
1: Well, uh, We were, me and Zach were listening to a few other Rams podcasts, and they threw out the topic of Noteboom or Whitworth at right tackle. Clearly, Noteboom had a great game. Um, I believe he only allowed one pressure. Um, Whitworth himself, he has been getting a little bit older. Um, I think he's kind of sensing that he wants to be back for another year. Uh, Jake, which one are you exactly leaning towards? Because Whitworth does come with a higher cost, and we could possibly lose Noteboom in free agency if we don't try to nail him down. And he's been a good, good backup for us for a while now. Yeah, you know, I
2: think Noteboom needs to be brought back. I mean, you know, I think really what it is, is as much as we love Whitworth, we need to, you know, kind of realize Noteboom is the future you know, and I think there's a chance Whitworth does retire. I think there's a chance he also stays, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm feeling pretty confident he's going to end up, um, you know, I Whitworth is going to end up uh, retiring. And, you know, regardless if that happens, you know, I really feel like no boom is the guy and they might have to move wit to guard, but um, no, no boom is, is been unbelievable when asked. I mean, they, They needed him in a big way, and he came through against a veteran in Jason Pierre-Paul that has been so explosive and so dynamic and so disruptive throughout his career. It's all you could ask for, really. And uh, it really goes to show, you know, the Rams made the right move when they selected him in the the third round um, in that 2018 uh, draft class because it may not have been the sexiest pick, but, man, was he important uh, to even get to this point in the playoffs. You know, if he, you know, crap the bed for lack of a better term i mean we might not even be talking right now about this team going to the next round and playing uh this sunday
1: mm. and all credit to the rams front office because i know a lot of the fan base was giving them a lot a lot of crap for basically not drafting alignment um it was a constant talk of the offseason was Oh, will they draft a lineman? When will they draft a lineman? And when they didn't, the entire, almost, not the entire fan base, but a lot of the fan base freaked out. And they're like, "The we don't have a great line. And guess what? The front office stuck by them. And they have turned out to be right. And a lot of the fan base turned out to be wrong. I know people still wanted Creed Humphrey. I wanted Creed Humphrey. And Creed Humphrey is a great player. But you don't know that beforehand, and ultimately, they know what they had in the players they already had, and it has turned out to be a success. I mean, their line has been top five all season. They've only had really one bad game in the Tennessee game. Uh, besides that, you can't ask for a far better line, and they all across the line have been very consistent. Uh you could say we haven't had like a top three lineman or top four lineman, but overall it's just, I think people need to apologize to the front office and they know what they're doing and they got a great hire in the offensive line coach. And I don't know. I'm just impressed by the fact that they stuck by him. Uh Zach, do you, do you think that was the right move to stick by lineman or do you still think we should have got Creed Humphrey?
0: You know, I, I like our O-line. You know, I think it's great. Um, You know, I always do. I am always concerned about, you know, uh, not looking to the future. I mean, I knew, you know, Whitworth is going to be retiring, you know, whether it's this year, you know, possibly next, you know, from the beginning of the year. Um, But just having some depth that I felt like we were lacking a little bit of depth. Yes, uh, you know, we have no boom and he's fantastic. And, um, you know, he's definitely a good replacement for Whitworth. Um, but I was still concerned because you never know these week to week games. You're, you're never, never sure if you're going to, you're going to lose, um, you know, one or two o- offensive linemen. Um, so, you know, I, st- I still think I rather them have picked up um, an offensive lineman than a wide receiver, but um, you know, that, that story already been told.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, guys, but- let's go ahead and move on to defense. Um, not much to say about this defense. They had a great, Game three sacks, two by Aaron Donald, one by Floyd. A Nick Scott interception, Von Miller getting a strip sack and his own recovery. Um, you we did talk earlier about Ramsey getting beat, but uh, there are a lot of moments in this game where the defense really rose up, and only a few I can think of where they failed. Uh, you had Troy Reader missing a tackle on Fournette that could have ended the game. Um, but it's hard to be very critical of them, at least from my point of view, because they got put in very difficult situations where you're asking them to completely bail out a few offensive players having butterfingers. Um, and overall, it, just great job, Jake. What was the key to this Rams defense eventually just holding the bucks to 27 even with four turnovers which may I remind people Tom Brady is 49 and 0 when his defense gets three or more turnovers.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of crazy, right? I mean we you know 2 weeks ago the Rams were undefeated under Sean McVay when they lead at halftime. So you're seeing a lot of these crazy milestones and these crazy streaks come to an end. I mean you know, we can, we can talk all day about those. I mean, Tampa was what, they only lost one game when wearing white. That's why apparently they wore white Well, they lost then. So, you know, there's a lot here, you know, but I think what it comes down to is it's, it's what I've been preaching all season, you know, give Raheem Moore some time, give him a chance to acclimate, you know, guys into this defense, you know, Justin Hollins, um, you know, a guy by the name of Von Miller, they traded for, um, you know, he's just done a stellar job. Uh, honestly, a better job than Brandon Staley. Uh, to be honest, Brandon Staley didn't deal with the injuries he did necessarily, and um, you know, he he had to deal with a whole other turnover thing with the the defensive back room. You know, you're talking about John Johnson leaving and Troy Hill. So, you know, he had to overcome that. Michael Brockers, their leader, leaving. Uh, so, you know, I just think that he did an absolutely incredible job putting guys in position to succeed. It took some time. Uh, yes. I mean, obviously he got a, a lot of, uh, flack for it, but you know, in the end, I mean, you know, they're playing in an NFC championship game and you know, he also, and this is not necessarily to trash Brandon Staley, but a lot of Rams fans were upset when they, uh, didn't look that great without Aaron Donald. Um, You know, I mean, obviously he played, but they didn't look that great with an injured Aaron Donald. And, you know, people felt like he kind of mailed it in that he knew he had a job and he mailed it in. I never really felt that way, but um, I will say that Raheem Morris did just interview for a defensive coordinator job and he didn't let that get to him. I know a lot of people were worried about that, you know, the curse of, you know. The interview for a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, head coaching job, defensive coordinator interviewing for head coaching job. Um, I know a lot of people were worried about that, but no credit to him. I thought, you know, Raheem really did a a beautiful job. And, you know, that play that they ran at the goal line to stop Fournette and it didn't work. uh, It was a good play. Like I said, just Darius Williams needs to do a better job there of, uh, you know, setting the edge and having the edge and holding the edge. Um, but everyone did their job on that play. And, you know, I think we put way too much on the backs of these coaches. They do as much as they can, but at the end of the day, uh, these are grown men in the NFL. uh, You have to tackle. And I think the biggest issue with the Rams, the last time they played against the Niners is that they could not tackle, uh, Raheem. Sure. You know, you could argue playing that, you know, that far off all his man and everything down, you know, the end of that game, uh, put them in position, but, Uh, you know, I think just as much if they make a few of those tackles, uh, then we're not talking about playing the Niners. Um, there's a chance. I didn't even know where we would be right now because, uh, who knows if Sean Payton would have even retired by now with so much would have changed. Um, you know, if that were the case.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a weird, uh, multiversal, uh, earth we can go to where the Rams get the second seed and, um, end up playing the Saints, and the 49ers never get in, and uh, you don't have the Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers knocked off by 49ers, It's just very bizarre. It's been a bizarre playoffs, really has, and people don't realize it's never happened in NFL history where all lower seeds won in the divisional round, and it got super close. You're like one amazing allen play away or if the bills win the coin toss and uh get the ball in overtime like if the bills win that game that's first time in nfl history that's ever happened so it's pretty nuts weekend uh let's go ahead and move into special teams uh matt gay did miss a 47 yarder um is there anything to worry about with Matt Gay? I personally don't think there is. I he has been clutch. Uh, he had a clutch kick to end the game. Um, that weirdly, that stadium he has a really bizarre low like field goal hitting percentage. I don't know. They said that the wins were the reason it was uh just not far enough. Uh, Whether it was the wins or not, uh, it could be something mental going back to the stadium of the team that drafted him and cut him like that is more pressure, I think, on him than normally there is.
0: I I don't really think there was. I think it was just I, I, I think it's more probably the win than anything. I mean, it was a short It wasn't like it was far right, far left. Um you know, I'd be more concerned if it was that because it was short. I, I'm really going to just toss it up as a, you know, just a, a bad mistake. Um, you know, not enough oomph when there was so much wind. You know, I don't know. There could be a number of things, but, you know, I know that there was talk that he was injured. No, there's no signs that he was injured pregame to affect his kicking skills. And plus, he, you know, he scored us the, the winning score when that had to have the most pressure on him. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about his kicking ability.
2: No, I'm not either. Cause the downforce wins, uh, you know, obviously he said that impacted the flight of the ball. Um, you know, it's, it's tricky there in Tampa, but you know, one thing it, we know is that he's going to get the same type of, uh, you know, environment day in and day out at SoFi, you know, they, they don't, they're not, you're not by the bay like that. So, um, you know, there's not going to be any downforce wins. I don't think it's a it it's anything to worry about, and as long as they take care of business, I mean, there won't be anything to worry about as well. You know, the two weeks from now because that would be the Super Bowl, and they'd still be at SoFi. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's one of those things where you know it was obviously annoying and unfortunate and bizarre, but uh, I, you know, he's still one of the best kickers in all of football.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go ahead and go into some Rams news. Not much besides the fact that we're going to a championship game. Uh, apparently, they are still, it's day-to-day on um, Ernest Jones. I think they're leaning towards him coming back. Rap sounds like he will come back. Whitworth sounds like he will come back. I expect to see Ernest Jones. Um, Jake, what's really big about Ernest Jones coming back uh and getting rap back? Do you think that will boost your our uh defense going into the 49ers game?
2: Yeah, well I think rap is good because he can be kind of your pseudo linebacker. Um, you know, they they like using him, playing him close to their to the box and everything. Uh, Ernest Jones is good because you look at the athleticism, that tackling ability, um, you know, this is somebody that, you know, has the athleticism in the sideline, the sideline ability where he can, uh, jump a route. So you could with Jimmy G and we saw this against the Packers, man, he's threw uh, a bunch of interceptable passes. If they does that again in way better climate. Uh, those, you know, those corners, those linebackers, those safeties, they're going to be able to jump those routes. Um, it's going to be brutal, honestly, if he throws some of the passes he got away with in Lambeau. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Ernest Jones and uh, Taylor Rapp, obviously anytime you get some of those guys back, it's a good thing. The Rams do a lot of the rotating and everything, so I don't expect Taylor Rapp to have to jump right back into his role. Um, they can kind of ease him back into it. and be honest with you, I don't even know if I would touch it because, you know, the way, you know, playoff Scotty is playing and um, Burgess and even uh, Weddle, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly too worried about, uh, you know, Taylor Rapp. I, I don't know how much he's adding right now just because, you know, the way everything's going on. So they'll probably have him operate closer to the line of scrimmage and you know, be that guy that can tackle in space, but I don't know if they're going to put him out there in coverage or anything like that. That might be a problem. And then, uh, Ernest Jones, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, you know, Ernest Jones, you know, you don't want to, you want to think long-term with him. He's a third round pick. That's not a guy I'm trying to rush back if he's not fully healthy. And so I think they should be, uh, somewhat cautious with him. I thought, you know, Troy reader and Trayvon Howard did an outstanding job in his absence. Um, so you know, it's one of those things where if you're in the, the grind and, and you're in the you have this momentum and, and this flow, um, I, you know, it's almost better to not screw around with it. But I think they'll ease those guys back into it. And if they win uh, this Sunday, then they'll be able to come back full strength and ready to go and probably start with a whole game plan planned around those guys uh, for the Super Bowl. So, that you know, so, yeah. do, we, so
0: do we think that Troy Reader will be the signal caller again?
2: Um, I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, he's done such a great job. Mm-hmm. He really does not get enough credit. And since he's been demoted and, um, you know, became the starter again from the injury, I just really think he's taken his play to another level and no one will admit it, but I mean, you know, he helped blow that game up in Arizona. I mean, you know, he had a huge run blitz where he didn't give up even though he got chipped immediately. Uh, he fought through the chip, forced the um, play on Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray tossed it up there like it was nothing and got picked off by David Long and absolutely broke the game open. But, you know, he's played very well down the stretch, and that's all you can ask for out of, a you know, a linebacker who's really just been Johnny on the spot uh, since they got him as a UDFA out of, uh, you know, Delaware.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting whether, like, going into next year they go with Howard or uh reader to kind of match up with Jones. Cause I just knew when we drafted Jones, I was so excited. I was yelling at my TV cause I had watched him for three to four years. And when you watch that type of talent, you just know he's going to be next level in the NFL. And uh, hopefully, if he's healthy, he gets some good playing time. And if he's not, he can rest up, we get the W, and he can make his first appearance in the Super Bowl in his rookie year. And I think that would be a great story for him and a great thing for the team. So, guys. This is our favorite part of the pod. Let's kind of jump into our preview against the 49ers, a very, very familiar foe. Uh, This is the third time we play them after our loss in overtime in week 18, a very, very heartbreaking um, loss there. That is the only loss of the year the Rams have had when they have uh, won the coin toss against the 49ers in their first matchup and then they lost in the second matchup, and, you know, uh, history is what it was. Uh, What are you guys looking for as your keys to victory, Jake? Uh, What is the biggest thing to get that long sought W after six losses in a row?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is you want to be able to establish the run early on. Uh, If you can establish the run, you know, that's one area you can go to. If they try to sell out to stop the run and just do exactly what you did the last game, there is no reason the Rams can't throw on this 49ers defense. Uh the Tampa Bay defense had just as many big names as the Niners do. Um, I know the Niners are playing well, but they're coming off a hellacious battle uh at, you know, in, in the frozen tundra at um, Lambeau Field and you know, a thirteen to ten game, which really came down to some special teams play, you know, down the stretch. I just really feel like the Rams are coming out of a game where, you know, you're used to playing that style of football Uh, come playoff time. Normally, a West Coast team being able to be that physical on the road, uh, you know, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, when it's, you know, obviously it, it turns into heavy snow. um, That's just not really normal. Um, But they didn't leave that unpunished I mean Debo was we saw what Debo was I mean he was hopping off the field on one foot you know and then you have Trent Williams come out with an injury so those guys will all play I would expect I don't expect any of them to miss the game Um, but they're not guaranteed to be 100% so you know you want to be able to see you know attack that defense be able to run the football you have three different running backs and they can do three different things and they have a great you know great ver- variety of skill Um, So you got to take advantage of that. And then on top of that, you got to take advantage of the play action. Uh, they've just been such a great play action team down the stretch. And, you know, I think with Cooper cup, you can have a team want to bracket him open up opportunities early on for OBJ van Jefferson, Tyler Higbee, you know, and then wait. And if they do continue to bracket cup, then just keep throwing to those guys. If they don't want to bracket cup after that, then now cup is probably going to be open. And, you know, even in bracket coverage, he's still somewhat open. So, you know, this is somebody that has really turned into, you know, the best receiver in the league. And um, the best receivers in the league step up in these moments. We had Calvin Johnson go over 200 yards in his, the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and he wasn't in many playoff games. So um, I, I wouldn't put it past Stafford to really lean heavily on Cup. And I wouldn't put it past, uh, you know, Cup to end up having a huge game in this one as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for me, you know, it's definitely keeping that clean, po- the the clean pocket for Stafford, um, keeping that offensive line, keeping those defenders off of him to give him time to to go through all his reads to find that best player to to get him to. Um, they did a really good job against the Bucks, um, and so I'm just I'm really looking forward um, to them to step up again um, against this uh, against this 49ers defense. Um, obviously, limiting the turnovers. Um, you know, I. I think we've seen it in the last three games, even in the 49er games. If we just limit those turnovers, this game would be completely different. Um, you know, one is, you know, okay, but more than one, you're, you're really starting to, you know, lose your chances of uh, becoming successful. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say. I would say clean pocket for Stafford, limit those turnovers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for me, the biggest thing is forcing Jimmy G to throw. If you're in a situation where, like uh, Jake said, we're running the ball, pushing it down the field, ramming it down their throat, and you're making Jimmy G have to play from behind, especially how he played last week, um, it shouldn't be too hard to start forcing unforced errors from Jimmy G. Uh, It's just making sure we get a lead, we not just keep it, but don't make mistakes. And that's where we kind of fell apart in the third quarter of our last match was we started making mistakes. We got three and outs when if we just stayed on the field and ran it enough and you start draining the clock and Jimmy G has to look at that clock and realize he has to start throwing 20-yard bombs – you can only throw the Kittle so many times you can only throw and do weird things with Debo Samuel's Samuel so many times before you get picked off because your wobbly pass doesn't go far enough. We saw it a lot with Jared Goff and Jimmy G is in the same vein. So that's where I think uh, we can definitely take advantage of uh, the 49ers and hopefully get a very, very good uh, (laughs) win and move on to Super Bowl. So, uh, Jake, I know this is probably your favorite, but uh, go ahead and give us your score prediction.
2: Yeah, so I've been kind of going back and forth in my head, but I'm going to go with 27-17. I think it kind of, you know, embodies what I believe this game will be. The Rams control it all the way through. I think the Rams will have, you know, probably a moment where, you know, they have their back against the wall. I think, you know, the Niners will probably be knocking on the door. They do respond. We know that Uh, it's hard to keep them down, but I think at the end of the day, I think the Rams will counteract that and they'll respond. They'll be able to keep Jimmy G uh, in check and, you know, keep in mind, you can't just run the ball the whole time when you're down the whole game. So um, I do think the Rams are going to just kind of flip the whole, you know, their gameplay. Um, They're going to, they're going to completely flip their game plan on its head. And, um, you know, I think it's going to cost them a Super Bowl run. I think the Rams are going to go to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in it, man. You know, I, I really think they have they're the better team. Um, you know, they really have everything going for them. I think the Niners, the run has been really impressive. But I, I just think when it comes down to is this, you know, when you're you're Jimmy Garoppolo, And you're going up against a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who leads the league since he joined it in uh, 2009 in uh, fourth quarter comebacks. I don't know. You know, you're beating him three times seems a little ridiculous. Um, Again, Niners, they could absolutely do it. They're a good, really, really good team. And they have a really good future. But this just feels right. This just feels like this is the eraser. All that pain that Rams fans went through and all that pain that the Rams in general went through, I think it, it comes to, uh, it, it goes away. This this is always really, for me, felt like this was McVay's year. Um, You know, he's already been in the Super Bowl, uh, but I feel like, you know, and while I do believe they were the better team than the Patriots, I think it was a bad game. Uh, I think this time they are the better team, and I think that they are... Not ahead of schedule because, you know, look over what the Bengals, they're ahead of schedule. Um, felt like the Rams were a little bit ahead of schedule the first year when they went to the wild card game and hosted that. But, you know, I, I feel way better about them this year than I have before. Uh, just feel like this team the whole year and then just seeing Cam Akers work his tail off to get back here and, and healthy. Uh, Eric Weddle signing on. Odell signing on trading for Von Miller uh, getting Matthew Stafford in January I mean it just to me this just it all seems like it's coming together and, and you know I could be absolutely wrong we could all be wrong but um, you know it's really hard to pick against a team like the Rams that are coming off two massive wins against the Cardinals and a blowout in Tampa which could have honestly been a massive blowout even bigger blowout than the Cardinals.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you said, you know, 20, you said twenty seven seventeen. that's what I was thinking as well, but I'm not going to take yours, uh, but I'm going to go with, um, Oh, I think I'm going to go twenty four seventeen. Um I, th- I think it's going to be a close game again. Uh, you know, I think this is the team. Uh, this is the team that we wanted. This is, you know, the quote unquote, I, I hate the term all in, but the Rams, this, this team just feels different. It feels like, you know, bringing in OBJ and, Um, OBJ just adapting to this team and, you know, you know, coming from these, these players that come up as, you know, quote unquote toxic and then coming to this environment and then thriving and like having fun, you know, watching this team have fun on the field, um, and off the field, it's, it's, it's a, it's just that chemistry. I don't see a lot in other teams. Um, and so, so yeah, I I think it's going to be a win, you know, I I thought the last game should have been a win and it really probably should have, um. But, yeah, I'm going to go 24-17.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will go 35-13. I just think the Rams are going gonna... to – it feels different than the other two games, at least when I'm, like, watching the pressers. I'm seeing how the team's talking. Um, The San, Fran- the San Francisco players, for some reason, have gotten so disrespectful – to this team and it feels it's that blind arrogance that I feel like can catch you off guard and all it takes is the Rams not to let off the foot off the gas in the second half and I just feel like they don't let off the gas they don't make the same mistake the Bucks game will linger in their head and be like we shouldn't have made those uh mistakes we shouldn't have had those fumbles, and I think they execute. I think McVeigh has a great the game plan of the ages. Uh, he's just gonna not want to lose another game to his best friend. So, because we all know when they talk it, like every so, like every week, we know Sh- Sh- Shanahan is just talking crap. It's like your best friend when you're playing Madden, and they just always beat you. He's just constantly talking crap to you, and it kind of gets in your head, and like. But there's fu- eventually that one time where you get it together, you ignore all the previous history, and you just play a great game. And uh, they get kind of hit in the face and don't expect and never recover. And I feel like this will be the game they don't recover. And uh, none of that other history will matter and will win the actual one that's important.
2: No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I you know, maybe the uh the blowout is not something that I necessarily uh will predict here, probably for the sake of jinxing, but um <laughs> but no, I, I think it just feels different. Um, you know, it's really hard to be a team three times. The Rams did that against Seattle uh, back in the day, but uh it is really hard. And um, you know, I think when you you look at the Niners, this is not your stereotypical nfc championship type of team this is a team that got really hot they're your you know eight or nine seed in the ncaa tournament that's playing in the uh final four right now i mean it it, seems like
0: they have nothing to lose
2: yeah and you know that i think that works well and, and it absolutely could lead to a win but you know you couple that with the arrogance that they have and you know obviously guys like tebow samuel are already talking but uh and i get that's part of the rivalry but you know, at some point or another, I do think the Rams losing that game helped them more than, than anyone wants to admit. Because, you know, here's the thing. The Bucks had never won five straight the entire season, but they were going to have to win five straight in order to beat the Rams, and they couldn't do it. The Rams had a five- or six-game winning streak, whatever, and down the stretch, they lose the last game of the year to the Niners. They were already in the playoffs. So the idea that the Niners wanted it more may sound... Uh, tacky and cliche, but it was true. The Niners literally needed to win that game to make the playoffs. The Rams didn't really care about their seeding. They were just, you know, they were in the playoffs already. So then you fast forward and you look and you're like, well, if the Rams win that game against the 49ers and how important that game was and how big that game was, who's to say they they wouldn't have gotten, you know, a huge letdown against Arizona, you know, or, or whoever they played. Um, because here's the thing, you know, and and they probably play the saints. So who's to say with the saints defense, you know, the Rams get all high and mighty and think that they're on top of the world after beating, uh, the Niners for the first time, you know, in in six tries, um, they win that game. The Niners are out and then they lose to the saints. You know, I just think getting that last loss out of the way is definitely not a bad thing. And we saw it against Arizona. You know, the way they were able to just rally and just at no point give Arizona any sort of room to breathe. And really, they went into another team's house, the defending Super Bowl champions, and did it to them. They just had some freak incidents where you're talking four fumbles. One was a bad snap. Uh, One was, uh, you know, a Cooper Cup who is super reliable and never fumbles. And you had another who fumbled twice. Who I mean, come on! Like he was at the goal line and he fumbled by hitting his head on, like his helmet hit the ground. I mean, y- y- you know, it- it's stuff like that. It took all of that, and they still won. They're playoff conditioned. They're ready to be in any moment, and I feel like they can rise to that occasion. And that's why I have them winning.
1: Yeah, not not to mention. Uh, I think it also helped with the play calling and the decision making from McVeigh at the end of the Buccaneers game. Like, if we had won, let's say we win the coin toss and we win the 49ers game in overtime, I think there's a good chance that McVay probably takes the Bucks game in overtime uh, because, like, that's what he did with the 49ers game. He was like, okay, I'll just take my chance because he had, a, a you know, some time to make a few plays, call a few passing downs, and you could tell at the end of this Bucks game McVeigh was like, I am not doing that again. And same thing with Stafford and the entire offense. They were like, we are not going through an overtime loss. And they willed themselves to go down that field and get that field goal. And uh, credit to McVeigh for uh, being gutsy and learning from his mistake in week 18. And we'll see how we play in the championship. And hey, Zach, I hope we have another uh, – uh, an- podcasts after the week after you know got to keep on doing those podcasts if we keep on winning
0: for sure for sure i want to keep this dialogue going more and more um but i think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the east coast rams podcast uh you can always send us questions and feedback to feedback at eastcoastrams.com or hit us up on twitter i'm at zach Mayer, ashton's at at rams fan ashton one and a big shout out to our special guest jake elbogan Uh, you can follow him at JK Bogan on Twitter. Uh, Jake, you want to tell him anything else? Any other promotions?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, guys, thank you so much for having me again. You know, really do appreciate you guys reaching out and, you know, I'll always make time. Um, you know, if, if I can, I mean, obviously this week has just been so busy, but, um, you know, for anybody that's listening, uh, out there, you know, uh, I do have a YouTube channel as mentioned before, um, pretty much have a live stream almost every day. We're going to be having all sorts of content. The downtown Rams podcast is also on that channel. Uh, you can check out, uh, our podcast, uh, the one I do with Alexis craft on all platforms. And, uh, we're going to be having all sorts of guests. We already have them lined up, uh, you know, for the draft. I mean, we're gonna have a lot of draft prospects on, um, you know, back to doing our thing and we're going daily. Um, you know, we, we're going to become a daily podcast as well. Um, that will start after the super bowl. So really excited about that. But again, can't thank you guys enough for having me really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm welcome to come on anytime, man.
0: All right. Well, that sounds great. And, um, yeah, everyone, we're looking forward to another, uh, winning game on Sunday and we'll catch you guys hopefully next week. Let's get it done.